Well, Bob, no more rock, paper, scissors. It's, it's on the shelf for the remainder of the 2019 season. The Phillies, by the time you listen to this edition of Crossed Up, may no longer be in first place in the National League East. And it's funny because this is just our timing. We talked about this in the past. We always seem to come on or record our show when the team looks bad. And it ends up turning us into a real negative, couple of negatives, uh, negative guys. And yet... <laughs> yeah, just just to clarify with everybody here, it's not like we said, oh, well, everything's going wrong. Now's now, the time to now's do a the time podcast. To record. Right? Yeah, now's yeah. the time to record. Yeah, it's been a little bit strange. I know that we we took a little bit of a break. Uh, our schedules just haven't uh, really been able to sync up. It's been it's been crazy. I just finished up a uh, a long postseason run. Well, who expected uh, that? Yeah, right? out, out of nowhere, right? So uh, yeah, we it's talked a, a little a bit about that. We've alluded to that. We uh, did lose though in the South Jersey Group Three Championship game uh, in the seventh inning. Things got away from us a little bit. You were two outs away, my friend. Two outs away, yeah. It was a tough one. But, uh, yeah, anyway, we're back. We're doing this, and uh, it is not good right now for the Phillies. They're in the midst of a five-game losing streak. Uh, If it can go wrong, it has gone wrong for this team. And then, obviously, as you alluded to up top, Andrew McCutcheon is out for the season with an ACL tear. And the sky's falling. At least it feels like the sky's falling. So we have a lot that we have to kind of get into here tonight. I I got some music for us, Bob. (laughs) Is this better? Yeah, I got taps. Is this taps? No. Okay. Little Tom Petty. Okay, Tom Petty. That's fine. Uh, is yeah. that good? Is that all right? Yeah, Tom Petty's fine. I thought you were gonna go taps on me on. Yeah, the we're we're free falling, baby. Okay, we're free that's falling. It's a good right. Song. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that that that's kind of indicative of where the Phillies are right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's kind of like, you know. Adam Morgan went down last week, and that was the one and I said there. This th- is going to be a huge problem. <laughs> Thinking like even Wait, let me stop you just for one second. I, for what one I just second. said, the words that just came out of my mouth. The, that, it, yeah. I don't think anyone in the history of man has ever used those words uh, in that order uh-huh. until you just did. Uh, certainly, I did not think I'd be the one to say it either. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 where the Phillies are right now. So I, I guess let's let's assign blame because when things go wrong, we need to assign blame in order to feel better. And I think that that's what a lot of people are doing right now. I want to just kind of walk you through what we saw last night in the first inning. And I want you to tell me, was this Gene Segura's fault? And so those of you, and I'm sure that most of you do know by now, I mean, if you're listening to a Phillies podcast, you obviously care enough that you probably saw this, but Gene Segura was slow getting out of the box last night. He actually swung and and fell getting out of the box. And then he never really recovered and, and kind of, I guess he dogged it down the line or half-assed it down the line or whatever. Infield pop up to second base. Ian Kinsler lets the ball drop, turns a double play, and in doing so, Andrew McCutcheon blows out his, his knee, and he's gone for the season. A lot of people are upset with Gene Segura right now. Do they have a right to be? I think that that's the conversation we need to lead off with. Who are we blaming for this? I, I don't blame Gene Segura. I don't. I, I mean, look, It happens. It, it, we've been we've had these conversations in over over many years. We had this conversation last off season with the whole Manny Machado Johnny Hustle thing. We had this conversation, but well, 
long before this podcast when um, Charlie Manuel benched Jimmy Rollins for not running out of play. Look, these are professional athletes. They're professional baseball players who get 700 and some plate appearances in a season. Um, and guess what? On one out of 770, the guy's just kind of mad at himself, frustrated, swung at a bad pitch, popped it up, slipped at the plate, and was like, oh, man, I'm not going to run my, you know, rush to get down there, and didn't think, oh, we have a runner on base, and oh, Ian Kinsler is going to make this heads up play to drop, let the ball drop, which, as a baseball coach, you know, um, that's a little verboten in the unwritten rules, right? To do that, to let that play happen, especially at that level. Yeah, it's, um, it's a little bit lame. I know it's, there's some people that are upset with Ian Kinsler today, saying that yeah. he sort of caused this. I also don't blame him. I just think no, it, no. it just sort of happened, and I know that there was a lot of talk out there today about you know. Benching Gene Segura for for this no, uh, and, and I it's it's crazy. It's absolutely no. ludicrous. I mean, he fell down. You know, like that's my thing too. And I probably would try to excuse it a little bit, even if he didn't. But he, the guy fell down on an infield yeah. pop up. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, do a push up, get back up, like into a burpee, and then do a hard ninety? Like, I just. I don't know, man. Like, uh, if if that was a like a high school kid and I was coaching a JV game, I'd probably be on the kid. But it's Major League Baseball. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's gonna it's gonna happen once in a while on a play like that. It's going to happen, and you can't. What are you gonna do? Bench every guy who ever does that, and then you have no no players left, right? So no, I do not blame Gene Segura. I do not blame Ian Kinsler. Although, back in the day, back in my day, Bob, you know, when um, men were men. Uh, yeah. uh, Ian Kinsler doing that play like that uh, first time he bats in the in the game tonight. We are we, by the way we are recording on Tuesday night uh, prior to the game against the Padres, uh, just because Bob and I don't want to wait until one thirty in the morning to start recording. Yeah, sorry people. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, tonight Ian Kinsler's first at bat. He gets one uh, gets one a little uh, under the chin there. You think like I would. It, it, Okay. Absolutely. I mean, you just lost. You just lost your leadoff hitter and catalyst, uh, locker room leader, whatever. whatever. McCutcheon had meant a lot to this team. This yeah, is he sure a bad, did. This I'm, is a bad loss. I'm glad it, you it, said that. I, yeah. I think that he's one of the most indispensable players that they have. Uh, you know, and he talk about the guy hitting leadoff, 378 on base percentage. The OPS is well under the 800s. I mean, he's given the Phillies everything that they could have hoped for when they went out and signed him yeah. this season. And you talked about the importance of what he is in the clubhouse. And and I will tell you that. I, it's You can feel it. When you're in that clubhouse and he's in there, it's lighter. It It's a little bit more loose. I think that a lot of guys look to him for guidance and leadership. I think that was one of the things that was missing on this team last season. Although that that stuff can be a little bit overblown sometimes. I really think that this is going to be a, I don't want to say catastrophic loss, but I think it has the potential to be a devastating loss. And we'll see how this plays out now. But not only are you losing a really good guy, but you're also losing really good production here. And I don't think the Phillies are, well, I'll say this, the Phillies are not currently equipped to replace that production. No, no, they're not. And yeah. and that's not a knock on Adam Hazley, who gets no, his major league all. debut tonight. But uh, I, I, You want to talk about something else I think they've mishandled? I think they've mishandled Adam Hazley. I, is it fair to say, I mean, the guy, he, he hasn't been lights out in the minors. He was good at Reading. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't. He wasn't like, oh my God, look at this guy's tearing the world on, you know, setting the world on fire. 
And then he gets a call up to AAA. He plays six games in AAA. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have an injury. Call him up. He's our full-time center fielder. And, yeah. and that's kind of what the comments were. I mean, that's what they've been saying. It's not like he's just here until they can come up with a better solution. Okay, maybe you get him, you call him up for just a couple games and then you send him back down. No, they, they come and say, oh, he's going to play regularly. Well, oh, I think what this is going to do is it's really? going to give them about you know, six, seven weeks to evaluate what they have here. I think that part of the reason that Adam Hazley has now become the, the long-term answer, obvious reasons aside, like Odubel Herrera, and, and I know that we haven't recorded since that happened, but when you look at where they're at and what they're getting out of Michael Franco right now, they almost have to play Scott Kingery at third base, even despite now what has happened to Andrew McCutcheon. I do think that this injury sort of in some weird way affords and will directly afford Michael Franco further opportunity. But, I mean, Michael Franco over his last 38 games is hitting 185. He's got nine extra base hits. He's got two homers in his last 140 plate appearances. 527 OPS. He has been one of the least productive everyday players in all of the major leagues. And it's amazing when we looked at his first three weeks, and I know it's only three weeks, but he was so good. And you thought, okay, regression's going to come here. But even when you looked at his 2018 numbers, you said when the regression comes, it's still going to be pretty damn good for the eight hole. And he has fallen off the cliff completely. And I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm shocked by it because we've seen this with him before. But this is, this is like new depths. That, uh, I mean, he is lost right now. Yeah, he's one of the guys you said you want to assign blame. Uh, there's some blame to be assigned there. I, you cannot. I, look, it, it becomes evident after a while what, what goes wrong. So, you know, Mike Alfranco gets off to a great start. He obviously had a nice approach. Uh, you know, really worked in, the, in spring training and, you know, had really took to where he was at in the lineup and really kind of, you know, took advantage of it. Then, of course, after, you know, as is always the case in baseball, after you get a, you know, decent sample size of, of, uh, of at-bats and plate appearances, teams are going to find another weakness. If you fixed the, the last one, they're going to find the next one. Um, and they're going to find a, a hole in the swing or, a, you know, pitches you struggle with or something. They'll find even, even the most minute details. And when that happens and you start to struggle again, you can't resort to bad habits that have gotten you trouble in the past. You then have to readjust again. You have to put the work in again. One of the great um, quotes I ever heard Charlie Manuel say when he was a manager was uh, he used to have a, um, a manager show on the radio. Uh, and he said, you know, it's hard to make the major leagues. It's, it's even harder to stay. And, and and that's and that's what he means by that. It's like, like you know, it, people learn more about you because you're at the major league level. So you have to then keep you know keep working at it, keep readjusting. And I don't think Michael Franco does, and he has not learned that. It has to be an ongoing thing as the season goes on. And at this point, he should know, Bob. And, and, and that's what the concern appear, is. It would appear that Nick Williams also has not learned that lesson. I mean, I don't want to nope. get into I don't want to get into work ethic. I don't want to say that he's not putting in the work or that he's not trying, but it's amazing when you look at a guy like Nick Williams who has seemingly just continued to really regress as the longer that he's been here. Aaron Altair went through the same thing to the point where he was DFA'd earlier this season on a team that that needed some outfield depth. Um you're seeing it now with Mike Alfranco. It's it's just a bizarre thing. These guys all sort of came up together around the same time, and, and a lot of them just 
they've shown flashes, but just no ability to really stick and stay productive over longer stretches. So it, it's you wonder almost is it an organizational thing? Is it just a coincidence? Is it specifically attached to the work ethic of the players? I, I don't I don't know, and I well, think it's a little bit irresponsible to speculate and say, well, yes, that's exactly what it is, at least across the board. But it's it's certainly a concern. Well, you, you do remember at the end of last season when they made all the changes organizationally, right, down in the minor leagues. They got rid of the director of the minor league yeah. uh, operations and uh, changed some uh, some coaches down there and things. So, um, I mean, it's it's not wrong to speculate that that could have been part of the problem. Um, uh, but then again, it could also be that, you know, trying to make people do something a different way uh, the way you want to do it now is also part of the problem. Like you could look at it both ways. I mean, and, and I don't know which way, which one is correct. I don't know if it was, you know, the people that the Phillies got rid of were a problem, or what the Phillies are trying to do now is a problem. I, I don't know which it is, um, but you can certainly look at it either one way or the other, and and say, yeah, well, something organizationally is not right. Yeah. Um, so now, and they turn to, as we said, uh, Adam Hazley, who. <sighs> He's got basically 200 plate appearances in the minors this year, and the numbers are fine. Power's up a little bit. Uh, he's, he's certainly on pace to eclipse last year's home run totals, his last year's double totals, and I think that that's been the most promising thing with what they've seen from him this season um, is the increase in power. But I just, uh, I mean, it's, it's a big ask. It's a real big ask after after six, and I know that they say double A. If you can play in double A, you can play in the major leagues. But it's a big ask for this kid, who certainly this time a week ago had no inclination that he could possibly be in the major leagues, and certainly being thrown into really an everyday role. I know they they say he's an impressive kid. We're going to find out. You know, uh, this is yeah. this is really a tough spot for him. It is a tough spot. It's tough to just come in and and just be have the spotlight sh- you know shining on you as opposed to. Um, you know, being able to kind of come in a little bit more ano- anonymously, right? You know, that, kinda... that said, right, like it's time for them to get big production from a homegrown guy. They, they just haven't really gotten a ton of it. Now, Scott Kingery certainly seems to be having a breakout year, uh, but they just haven't like, gotten lucky with that guy yet. And I know he's a first-round pick, so there's, there's considerable expectations attached to him. But wouldn't it be just nice if he comes out and he doesn't go through the, the growing pains? He comes up right away, makes his mark, and it's a guy that you're like, damn, you know, he hit the ground running, and they really need it from him right now, too. Yeah, I hear so you. So yep. it's, it's going to be it's gonna be something to watch. Well, I'll tell you, you know, just for people who don't know much about Adam Hazley, the kind of player that he is, um, the big comp – I guess that he got the comparable when he was drafted a couple years back was Steve Finley, um, who, if you remember, was uh, an outfielder with the Padres for a while, um, Arizona Diamondbacks, um, and uh, was a pretty good uh, ball player. Um, you know, usually hit in the high 200s. Um, it was mostly a 20 to 25 home run guy. Did have a couple seasons. I didn't think, he like have top, like one of those steroid years? Did he have he a did. steroid year? I, yeah, I think he did. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up his stat. We're just now that you mentioned, I was like, I was sitting here thinking <laughs> I should look it. I should look it up, like because I remember I remember he did have one year where he, uh, you know, definitely went over 30. Yeah, um, he had a couple actually, but in 2004. He shows up as a 39-year-old, yeah. and, it's, and it's 36 home runs. So Yeah, I, yeah. yeah it was something like that. 
yeah. So he might have might have been a steroid guy. But anyway, so that's that's who he's been compared to. And you know, Finley was a career two seventy one hitter, right? Uh, Three thirty on base. You know, probably averaged you know about twenty home runs a year. And if Adam Hazley is that, that's great. <laughs> that, that's great. Yeah, I'll sign up for Steve if, Finley. If he, if, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's great. It's awesome. He's not going to be that right away. No. You just he's just not. He's not going to come in here and put up because if he if he plays the rest of the year, if he's starting June, he, we're recording June fourth. If he from now and he remain remains the main center fielder for this team through the end of September, and he puts up two seventy one, three thirty two, seven seventy five slash line, he's in the running for rookie of the year. And I don't I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. So so you know you can't have those kinds of expectations. Um, I, I just don't want him to look completely lost. I don't want him to look like Scott Kingery looked last year. Can, so, can he be somewhere in between? Can he be somewhere in between those two? I think that's. I think we would accept that, right? Yeah. So can he? Can he show up tonight? And we'll, we'll see. Obviously, we're listening to this. If you're if you're hearing this, you'll be hearing it on Wednesday morning. Can Adam Hazley and Jay Bruce jumpstart an offense? That is hitting 182 with a 538 OPS, producing 2.2 runs per game during its five-game losing streak. <laughs> Let me ask uh, you something about um, – you mentioned Jay Bruce. Uh-huh. I want to ask you something about Jay Bruce. Yeah, let's talk about Jay Bruce, another, what, another new face here. Yeah, yeah. What, did, what did you think of the, of the Phillies trading for Jay Bruce? Well, you look at the, the numbers and you go, well, he's hit 14 homers this year. That's really good. So he provides considerable pop from the left side and – I guess when they acquired him, they thought that he was going to to be a bench bat. I will tell you, though, I wrote on Saturday when the news broke of that story, and that was obviously before the Andrew McCutcheon injury, I said, I think there's a chance that Jay Bruce plays a little bit more than people initially are expecting him to. Now, obviously, that has changed. It's a good name. It's like a veteran hitter. When you look at the Phillies bench, I'll tell you that I think – He's certainly a flawed hitter. I mean, he's, he's barely cracking 200 from both sides, you know, against righties and lefties this year. But the OPS is there. The power numbers are there. So when you look at what they have currently on the bench, it's an upgrade because it has to be. But there are certainly some concerns there. His ability to get on base, uh, his ability to put the ball in play, uh, those are all concerns. Yeah, and, and it, you know, I actually kind of um, really liked your story that you put out because if you were acquiring Jay Bruce to be a guy to be in your lineup because you needed that power bat, and which the Phillies really do need, um, you wouldn't think they would when you look at the lineup and look at the names in the lineup, but Phillies don't have a lot of home runs. So um, uh, if you were going to make him a predominant you know, regular then I think, yeah, that's great. That's a great. That's a great addition. But I was a little furious because the the notion was that they were bringing him in to improve the bench, and you you, you can improve your bench with a power hitter if you have other hitters on your bench. The Phillies don't have that. You, but to be a good pinch hitter, you need to be able to come in and get a hit. Get a hit. You don't need to come in and get a home run. Hey, if you get one, that's great. But that's not the approach. It's hard enough to hit a home run batting four or five times a game, let alone have to come in ice cold you know, late in the game and have to face a guy throwing 98, 99 miles per hour. And you say, all right, yeah, get up there and hit a home run. And he doesn't do anything else. That's, well, that's well, what he, he's, that all, I, he's an all or nothing. Well, that's so, so what I'm saying, Bob, is, is, is I didn't like it as a move for the bench. 
But now with McCutcheon getting hurt, well, you're in luck, baby. <laughs> now with McCutcheon getting hurt, I think it's. I think it. I think they, you know, backed into a good acquisition because now you have a guy who I I think is good for that lineup. <laughs> um, yeah, even though he is a 206 hitter I, I, or whatever he's, I don't know, he's probably hitting a little bit better than that now. I think he's up to 214, <clears throat> but whatever. Um, having that guy and having him be a veteran player who's been around the game forever, blah, 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 and he has some good pop, now that fits into that number six spot in your lineup because Cesar Hernandez is going to be your leadoff hitter now, right? Yeah. So so Jay Bruce kind of fits fits in nicely. And it's like, wow, that they lucked into this a little bit, I think. Because now now he's going to be used properly as opposed to being a pinch hitter, which he would have been a disaster as. Yeah, you talked about the Phillies' lack of power. Do, do you know where they're at right now in total home runs? I, I don't know what the actual number is, but I know it's really low in the uh, in the rankings. 22nd. Yeah. Like if bad. I told you on June 4th that the Phillies would be 22nd in home runs, you'd say, well, Reese Hoskins or Bryce Harper must both – or, you know, they, they must have both been hurt, you know, for – a considerable amount of time and JT Real Muto like you go out and you spend all this money and I know that you want to have this conversation and I know that you get a little bit annoyed by this conversation but there is some truth to this like if you go back and look at the Phillies over the last week right like the bullpen's been a mess they haven't gotten great starts really except for Nick Pavetta which was, that was ultra encouraging but aside from him the starting pitching hasn't been very good but you look at this offense and just over the last seven days they're like bottom three in Major League Baseball in OPS and slugging percentage, on base percentage, and runs scored per game. It's crazy how inconsistent this offense is. You know, I was at the game last Wednesday night, and everyone was feeling good. That You go down to the locker room after the game, and they mashed the Cardinals. They guaranteed themselves a series victory. They were going for a sweep the next day before they headed out west. Everyone's feeling good. They just they murdered the Cardinals that night. The offense was firing on all cylinders, and you go, wow, the Phillies are 11 games over 500. They're three and a half games up on the Braves for first place in the National League East. This team's rolling. And, and I was and I was I was looking like an idiot at that. Yeah, at that because time. we talked about it before the show. You were you were all like, yeah, you know, this is a tough stretch. What happens if they they give up their lead and they kind of fall back towards 500? How are people going to feel? And I thought about that, and I told you before the show I had thought about that. I said, well, that's not going to happen. But here we are a week later, and it's like, well, that escalated quickly. (laughs) You know, out of nowhere. I mean, this offense has been bad, and, and like inexcusably bad. And what do you do when that's the case? And you're not wrong. You're not wrong, Bob. The offense has to be better. They need more. They need more production uh, overall. And I'm not just saying power. Yeah, the power numbers need to come up. I mean, when you have the, I mean, yeah, you're losing McCutcheon. That hurts a little bit. He had 10 home runs uh, through the first two and a half months of the season. But um, yeah, that, but you do need more home. Yeah, you need you, more power from Bryce this. Harper and Reese Hoskins and, and Real Muto. Yes, you need that. They're 21st in slugging right now. I mean, that's it's it's crazy. Even the on base percentage. 15th for a team that prides itself on walks and getting on base and that's what they want to do their league average in terms of just reaching base 242 average I mean this stuff is it's just it's mind-blowing I mean it's mind-blowing again bottom third and average bottom third it's just I don't know so since we're in the finger pointing portion of of our show when that's the case when you're struggling to produce when you're not, your slugging percentage is bad. When your on base percentage is down. When your OPS is lower than you want it to be, 
what do you do? How do you how do you how do you you know react to that? What what do you do? Play small. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you have to always play small ball. I know we have this discussion. And people say, Anthony, here's Anthony going to the small ball thing again. You don't have to be a small ball constantly, right? But you have to sit there and say to yourself, when certain opportunities or certain situations arise, and your team is struggling the way it is. You can't just sit there and cross your fingers that this will be the moment that we come out of the slump. Oh, no, no, this will be the moment when we come out of the slump. You can't do that. Instead, put your team, take advantage of those opportunities and put your team in a position to score a run or two. And maybe that sparks the confidence that's necessary okay, so to get is, back to Okay, so has there been a specific occurrence over the last couple of days that you can, you, you're you looking at in particular? Well, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, was it was it Saturday's game against the Dodgers where they had uh, first and second, nobody out in uh, I would say seventh inning, eighth inning, um, and Hernandez is coming up to bat. He's best bunner, and you know they're down. I think they were down a run or two at the point. I forget what the exact situation was. Um, and then that was the game that Bryce Harper tied it with a two-run homer in the eighth. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, eventually. Yeah, so it was the inning before, Okay. right? Uh, all you do, if you if nobody out first and second, you lay down that bunt. Now you got second, and, and I know it's not, I know it sounds so simple. Just lay down the bunt, but he is your best bunter. There's no arguing Cesar Hernandez is the best bunter on the team. So you get the runners to second and third. A sack fly gives you one run, and then if Bryce Harper hits the home run, now you're ahead instead of behind. But, I mean, a single ties the game there. So you don't necessarily need to rely on the big fly. You know, well, oh, well the, we'll get there. The contrarian's we, going to say Cesar Hernandez has been for the last three weeks Red their best hot. hitter. That's and, great. Yeah, okay. that's fantastic. I'll just tell you, but, you know, this is why I, but this is why I argue for productive outs, Bob. This is why I sit there and say, you know, when they say, people say don't fear the strikeout. Well, you should because it's not productive. You can still make an out and get runners moving. If there's runners on base, you do not want to strike out. Yeah, I know you don't want to hit into a double play either, but at the same, but at the same time, you know, you, you want to try and get the runners home. And if you can get them, if you can't get them home, if you can get them ninety feet closer, well, then that's productive, right? So I mean, there are things that you can do. In the course of a game that you know don't always show up in the box score, aren't measured statistically or even analytically for that matter, and and still help the team win. All right, let me ask you this: Let's Just let's go to the it. next day. Let's go to the next day, Sunday, right? Yeah. And you have uh, Nick Pavetta, who's fantastic for six yeah. innings. He's removed from the game in the seventh inning. Uh, Phillies have first and second, I believe, two outs, and they bring. Uh, Phil Gosselin to the plate, and he strikes out. I believe it was looking. Looking. It was looking, yeah. And everybody's all upset. Now, how do you play that? Because there are two different ways you can look at this. The Phillies aren't scoring runs. They have a situation where the runner's in scoring position, so the aggressive thing to do theoretically there is to bring Phil Gosselin to the plate. He's, he gives you a better chance to, to score a run at that point than Nick Pavetta certainly does. And it doesn't work out. Now, some people are criticizing Gabe Kapler in that situation because – what are you going to after you take out Nick Pavetta? It's it's kind of like what came first. It's like the chicken or egg here. It's well, I have an answer for you. Okay, I have an answer for you, and, and I think I, I think I might surprise you a little bit with my okay. answer. In that situation, I probably leave Pavetta in because it's zero zero. You're not losing the game, 
And so while, yes, it would be nice to get a run there, the way that guy's pitching, his pitch count is low, you, your bullpen is a mess, why put yourself into a position where you sit there and say, let's cross our fingers and hope Phil Gosselin can get us a lead and then cross our fingers further yeah, like to hope our bullpen can hold on to What's the probability? Is, is there right. a higher probability that Nick Pavetta can give you another good inning the way yeah. that he had been throwing at that point? Right. Or now, is there a higher probability that Edgar Garcia and Vince Velasquez on, on a, his first career back-to-back is going to come out and be effective? Exactly. Now, the, 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 what I'm about to say is maybe the part that might surprise you. If you're down one nothing, as much as I like keeping the starting pitcher in in that situation as, as well as he was throwing, uh, especially, you're down a run and your your number of outs are dwindling. And at that point, I sit there and say, yeah, you know, I don't like doing it, but I it makes sense to do it, to pinch hit at that point. So if you're down a run, yeah, I would do it. Absolutely would do it. Um, and I don't, ar- and I, you know, I don't argue with the decision. But in a zero-zero game, what's the what's the benefit? The the percent again, I don't see that how that played the percentages properly. I just don't. And so I thought it was a bad a bad call. How would you evaluate Gabe Kapler over all this season? Because I, let me state the obvious. I'm going to just state yeah. the obvious here real quick. He has no bench. His bullpen has been absolutely decimated by injury, and and I. We'll say this, and we talked about it before the show. You go across and take any major league bullpen, and you knock out five or six of its top arms, and you're going to get what the Phillies are giving you right now out of the pen. You're asking J.D. Hammer last night. J.D. Hammer, another guy, pair him up with Adam Hazley, who I know he was, was pretty effective his first few times out, but this is another guy that's not supposed to be here right now. Right. Not this soon. Not after that other, you know, a, a quick promotion again, and then boom, right up to the major leagues. It was him last night that couldn't hold it. Every night it seems to kind of be a different guy that's having a little bit of a hiccup here. What, I mean... What do you do if you're Gabe Kapler? No, I, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you on that, Bob. I mean, there are certain things where his hands are tied. Yeah. Overall, I think Gabe's been better this year than last year. Overall. There's no question in my mind. And it's, it was predominantly based on the lineup. I feel like he, he stopped tinkering with it. He let it be what it was. Um, and, and it was good. And then I think that he's, had, he's made some decisions – some that have backfired, but I still I still would rather he do this than the, than the alternative, where he's gone with his gut, you know, and said, you know what, I'm going to go with my guy for another inning, or I'm going to leave this I'm going to I'm going to leave this pitcher in for this reliever in for a second inning of work, um, which I would never do with Sir Anthony Dominguez, but I would, but you know, there've been a couple instances where he did it with Hector Neris, and I thought, um, yeah, I'm I'm on board, and then that's fine. Well, we but, talked about we talked about this earlier in the year. It was there's you don't need to tinker. This lineup is so deep. It's so potent. It it's easy. Right. It, you know? it becomes it becomes managing personalities more than it does managing the team. I'm very curious to see now what happens. That he, I think he has to understand that the bullpen is a mess. He knows that the starting lineup is is undergoing a significant well, changes. No bench. Does he revert back to those tendencies of he, of last he, season? And he does may. he have to? He may. And here's another. But here's where I here's where I I'm concerned about Gabe when he's put into a situation where his decisions are more integral with the outcome of the game. I don't trust. I still don't trust him. And I, and this may not have been a Gabe call. This may have been a Clentac call. But Gabe actually signed on board for it. 
when they tried the, on Saturday when they did the whole thing with Jose Alvarez starting the game. Almost, you know, the, the opener kind of thing, right? And and I and I know the argument. Well, the Dodgers have six straight lefties. They're all good left-handers. So if you have Alvarez pitch the first two innings as a left-handed pitcher, he gets through that part of the lineup once uh, pretty pretty handily. And most runs are scored in the first inning because that's the only inning that you're guaranteed to get the one, two, three hitter, the three best and, hitters. And the teams team. that are doing bah, 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 bah. it are winning. I, okay. All right, but here's where here's where it the flaw it, with the, with the plan comes in, and it's and it happens too often. You are guaranteeing that you are now using five six arms in the game. You're it's a guarantee. Okay, that's the problem because what's end up ha- what ends up happening is is that you blow through that bullpen, and you're and then you're now. Either relying on bullpen guys who you should not be relying on, especially the Phillies, because their bullpen's in as bad shape as it is, um, or and not only that, you are now setting yourself up for the next day to be exhausted. Now Pavetta gave him six incredible innings, right? So it, it, it didn't kill them as much on Sunday, although it, it eventually it did because the bullpen gave up eight runs. Um, but the the thing of it is, is that that's why it that's why it shouldn't be a thing that you tra- that you do. Now, well, if do you, you don't, think, do you have to take into consideration, or do you take into consideration the fact that that Zach Eflin was scratched from that start? I mean, like that but, wasn't initially so the call, plan. But going here's in. the thing: so you called up Cole Irvin. Right, you called up Cole Irvin because of that, uh-huh. and, and that's okay. So maybe it wasn't Cole Irvin's day to pitch. Okay, fine, but he pitched anyway, and he came in as the second pitcher. Or right, he was the second guy that came in after Alvarez, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so what's the difference, right? Like what's the difference there? And so now Gabe says, well, this won't, we'll do this again. Alvarez is going to get him going to get another start. Well, really, he is. Where? Why? Like it doesn't that the whole concept. It is. It's like. I mean, I, I would just say this. I, I think that the Phillies probably looked at that series and said, "Where is the likelihood of us getting a win in these three games?" And I think that they probably identified Saturday as as their best shot. And in doing so, I think that they kind of went all in for a single game. And you talked about. The, the reverberation and the effect afterward on Sunday, what, what was left of the bullpen and how they performed. But at some point, don't you kind of have to say, like, listen, we need to do everything we can to grab a win, especially when you've now lost two straight. You know that you're, you're probably going to be up against it on Sunday as well. It just, to me, like, I, I almost feel like that the decision was made to say, like, we need to try to get one here. Getting swept out here is no good. So I, 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 okay, fine, Bob. If that's the case, then you have to be that way all the time. All the time, yeah. And, and they're not. That's the thing. They they go they they fluctuate back and forth. I agree with that. I do agree. I, I and we've we've definitely spoken about this. This is something that we refer to commonly. It's almost like the philosophy isn't consistent. It's like sometimes they're ultra aggressive. They want to do you know X, and then two weeks later they do something that completely contradicts it. I know this isn't the first time that we've had a conversation like this. I just wondered in that game, and I had said Saturday, somebody had asked me, like, well, what do you think of the opener? I said, well, I'm not opposed to it in general. I do think that there's some validity to it. And I said, I also think that if you're showing up to Dodger Stadium on Saturday night and you look up at the lineup and they come into the locker room and they say, all right, what do we got tonight? What are we doing? What's our plan? And you're a player and you see, oh, we got 
we got Cole Irvin going tonight against the Dodgers. Mm. I just don't know how much juice there is behind that. And I think that you walk in and you see, like, <laughs> so, all right, we got Jose. So no, see, I mean, I'll tell you what. I, I know you're so going to say, so you're going to say about Alvarez. Jose Alvarez. But I think that the, like, the, I think there's a little bit of a jolt there. There's a little creativity or at least some, we're trying. Like, let's get weird. And I think the players, I'll tell you, I, I bet you the players walked in that night and they said, well, this is going to be interesting. I think it probably raised a, little, a few eyebrows. And it reverts back to what we were talking about five minutes ago, which is, hey, by the way, it would have been nice if they scored more than three runs on Saturday night. And to me, that does matter, and that's the problem. We're, we're micro, we're, we're ultra-focused, hyper-focused on this bullpen and what Cole Irvin's doing and what Jose Alvarez is doing. If they would just go out and score six goddamn runs like they were supposed to, maybe we wouldn't be freaking out about this shit. And that's the thing, like... They're not hitting. They're not even remotely hitting. And so that's why we're having this conversation because if the Phillies dropped seven and they would have won seven to four the other night, we would have said, well, you know, hey, not bad. And and, and again, and this is where I'm going to go back to it again, these things happen in baseball. The teams get into funks, okay? This feels more than a funk, doesn't it? Okay, yeah. Well, I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to say that this team has gone from being incredibly likable when the season started <laughs> to being incredibly unlikable right now. It feels they like frustrate the economy, all right? Over, no. All over again. It yeah. feels like last year all over again. <laughs> um, but but again, I, and I think that and I think that that becomes part of it. I think that they look, you know, they turn to their their manager at a point and say, "Okay, help us." <laughs> you know, and and that they don't get it. They don't get that help. And that's all. That's all I ask. Look, if they start hitting again, don't uh, don't bunt, don't steal. I'm okay with that. That's fine because you're hitting the shit out of the ball. But if you're not, and it's it's the same thing every night, and the same problems are occurring every night, try something different. That's all that I ask. Manage the game. That's what I'm asking, and that's why when everyone sits, you know, references him as a micromanager. That's why that's why he's not liked. And I know that some people there are two extremes here, right? There are the people who are in Gabe's corner and then the people who hate him. And I try to play the middle. I really do you try do. to play I the middle. I think you do a pretty good job. I don't think that anybody that listens to this show can accuse you of being unfair to Gabe Kapler. Yeah, just but in 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 certain instances, I want you to just sit there and say we're going to go away from what we what our plan is. Just to get back on track, and as soon as we get back on track, then we can reinstitute it again. Well, isn't that what they did with the opener on Saturday night? Well, no, I think that I, I think that they did no, it out yeah, of necessity, no, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, whatever. But um, no, I mean with the lineup. No, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, with the lineup. That's, I mean, that's now here's is. here's what happens, right? So I think we would both agree that the Phillies are in a little bit of trouble. I don't know if that comes as a shock to anybody listening right now. <laughs> so that said, do. I mean, what do they reasonably do here? If you look ahead, they I believe they come home and they have the Reds uh, this weekend, and, and the Reds who are, are not a, who are not a bad yeah, team. Yeah, the Reds are like chippy, man. Like they're I think they're five games under five hundred right now. They're kind of like this weird team. They're sort of fun. They they can do some things. A uh, little bit of starting pitching, and, and offensively, there's some pop and. Then they go, I believe, the third oh, you know, you know, week of you know June. The, before they, let me just well, real quick before before yeah. you move on, the Reds, by the way, the run differential this year, plus thirty six. The crazy. Phillies, the Phillies, 
plus fifteen. Yeah, and a lot just of that's po- the last couple nights. But, just uh, pointing, just pointing that out. I'm yeah. saying so. Anyway, go ahead, continue. Yeah, I mean, so then they get back into the division the third week of June, and now here we are, where you said at the top of the show, are they they going to be in first place by the end of the night? You don't know. Right now, as we're recording, the Braves are down five to two to the Pirates in the sixth, but it's early. Uh, I guess. I'm not ready to cancel the season. You know, I, I no. think that this McCutcheon injury is a big deal. Uh, like I said, I think it's potentially devastating. I'm not ready to say that the Phillies are completely screwed and, you know, we'll see you again next year. But they obviously have some issues here, and we, we've lamented those issues now, I think, pretty extensively. Braves just scored. It's 5-3. Uh, so there you go. I guess my thing now is can they stabilize? Can they Stop this thing from snowballing into a, a an 11 out of 12 or, you know, 12 out of 15 and really start to fall behind. I don't know that they I, – I guess I expect them to stabilize. I guess that's what I expect. I, I don't know why I'm so confident. I think that this team, you know, when you look around and you see what's going on right now, if they can just stabilize a little bit until they get a couple of these bullpen arms back – but I also think that they have to be pretty aggressive. I don't know that they can wait till July 31st to do their deals. The Jay Bruce thing was fairly proactive. I'm hoping that that's going to signal their approach here over the next six to seven weeks. I know it takes two to tango, but they, I don't know that they can wait seven weeks to try to figure this out and reinvent the roster. Yeah, but here's the, th- here's the thing. I agree with you, but here's the thing. I think they need a lot more than they make than they maybe are leading on to leading us on to believe. Okay, so let's just assume that they get back the guys that they anticipate getting back on the timeline that they anticipate getting them back. So that's you know probably David Robertson sometime I would say in July, Tommy Hunter maybe by the end of the month, um, Adam Morgan let's say sometime in July. What do they need? I mean, what do you? What could they reasonably do? Or I guess not even what can they reasonably do. What would they, in a, an ideal world, need to do? Uh, well, to me, the number one thing that they need, and it's something we haven't even talked about tonight, is a starting pitcher. At least one, maybe even two, but at least one. Um, Aaron Nola has been a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, you think he, he had a couple nice starts where you thought, okay, he's getting back to being Aaron Nola from last year, and then yeah, he didn't look good yesterday at all. No. And uh, you know you, the numbers are pretty starting. You know, we're in June now, um, and there's still time to turn it around and fix it and get it back to you know w- closer to what it was last year. But he's he's kind of again another 180 kind of guy from where he was a year ago. Yeah, um, can I give you a different stat on Aaron Nola? Go ahead. Everyone talks about ERA, and, and obviously those numbers aren't good. His first 13 starts last season, he went seven innings at least six times. He went mm-hmm. seven innings, or I'm sorry, he went at least seven innings six times. You know how many times he's gone seven innings this season in 13 starts? I don't think he has yet. Did he, he did, he did once? once. He did it against okay. the Cardinals last week. It was the first yeah. time this season he had done that. And I think that that's another way of illustrating beyond ERA, behind whip. Uh, it's it just – Something's not right. This Padres lineup isn't horrendous. Petco Park, though, it's still a pitcher's park. He has to give them more than he did last night. And his inability to get out of that sixth inning, it was troubling. And and you go, he had reached, uh, finally, at one point, somebody tweeted it out last night. It might have been Corey Simon or Breen or one of those guys. He said, like, 
Aaron Nola's ERA, and this is probably the fourth or fifth inning, now sits at 399. It's the first time it's been under four since his second start of the season. And then it promptly went back up over four and a half because he had that disastrous sixth inning. At some point, he's got to step up. Like, if you want to be a true ace and you want, you know, you want that label attached to you, it's got to happen at some point. And, and last night was a good time. They really needed it. You talk about your best guy being your stopper. He had a chance to give the Phillies seven or eight strong last night, one run, and he didn't do it. And and to me, that is becoming a growing concern. So, yep. yeah, carry on. And, and, yeah, I mean, look at the rest of the staff. I mean, Arietta is just mediocre. I mean, he's he's a he, he's been whatever. Yeah. He, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad, and that's you just you cross your fingers and hope you get good Jake Arietta. Um, Eflin's been okay. Obviously, he had the injury, missed a start. You know, I, I'm not going to criticize Zach Eflin. Um, Jared Eikhoff has been not great, right? Let's and talk about him real quick. So hopefully, he's pitching, pitching hopefully tonight. that everyone's going to be listening to this and saying, "Well, he was awesome tonight, you asshole." You know, yeah. like, I want people to say that, but. He's allowed 10 home runs over his last four starts, and this spans only 18 and a third inning, right? Yeah. I mean, what is it, eight and eight three, an 8.35 ERA over his last four starts after be- starting the season so strong. And it's like every Philly starter does this. They have these stretches of just brilliance. Like, not even just, well, you know, he turned in a quality start. I'm not talking six innings, three runs. I'm talking brilliance. Seven innings, one run. Eight innings, two runs, and they, they string it together for th- three or four turns through the rotation, and then the wheels just completely fall off. Jared Eikhoff does not look like a long-term solution in this rotation. That's my right. take. That's my uh, sense. Then you, got, then you got Pavetta, who gives you, you know, he, his first start, he gave up a couple of runs early, a couple of home runs, and then actually looked okay after that, and then he gave you a great start against the Dodgers on Sunday. So there's hope. There's hope that maybe you know he'll he'll get there, but the point is is that they need help there, and to me that's the number one need more than anything else. Like you said, they got help coming back from the bullpen. Um, they've added um, uh, Jay Bruce, even though he's not going to replace uh, uh, McCutcheon's uh, you know uh, catalyst approach at the top of the lineup and on base percentage. He's at least something, and he's a veteran, and he's a guy who's not going to kill you. So there are other places that you need to fill in, and you need you, you, that you need. Okay, fine, but let, number let one quick, is let me starting just quickly pitching. Quickly ask you: They seem utterly disinterested in Dallas Keuchel, and yeah, I well, so, we've talked I about too. Dallas Keuchel, <laughs> and I, I I'm not really interested in him either. But this team that needs starting pitching probably needs a veteran presence, somebody that gives you a little bit more stability. That was one of my concerns about this team coming into the season: just the wild fluctuation. Not only in production, but what the ceiling and floor is of each of these starters. You just have no – you don't go to the ballpark on any given night and say, I know what this guy is going to give me tonight. And we thought Aaron Nola was going to be that guy, but even he's not doing it. So you right now, you have five guys that, that can give you or have the capability of giving you a quality start, but you really just don't know. They can also implode in the last three innings. So Dallas Keuchel presumably would give you some type of stability – so why no Dallas Keuchel? I just don't think he's any good. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> I mean, if you want me to be honest, yeah. I mean, I think there, are, I think there are other left-handed pitchers who you can acquire in a trade. And I'm not even talking. You know, obviously everybody wants to get Madison Bumgarner, but you know, the Phillies. They've been. You know, whose name continues to come up, which tells me, which tells me that the Phillies are really still, you know, thinking about it. Is Mike Miner? 
his name has come up. It was coming up in the in the off season. It came up in spring training. I heard it a little bit in April, and then it kind of went away, and now all of a sudden it's back again. I, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about Mike Miner? Is that a guy? Uh, that, tell you what, he's actually had a pretty good season, and, and yeah, it's not yeah. easy to pitch for the Rangers. You talk about Parks, Petco Park being pitcher friendly. You go down to Arlington, it really isn't. He's put together a very good season. He's what five and four, two seven four ERA, yeah. striking out a little over nine per nine innings. Whip is was pretty clean one. 1.19. Yeah, I mean, like, so he's had a really good year. That makes some sense. I mean, that would yeah. be a guy that I, I certainly, if, if you're asking, would he be an improvement? Yes. Well, he here's would the bolster th- this rotation. But you know, you know what the problem is? If you look at the standings right now, Texas Rangers are a wild card team. Yeah. I, I, are they going to be trading off that roster? I don't know. I mean, unless they kind of go in the tank here in the next uh, – you know, in the next month or so, I mean, right now they are they would be the second wild card team. Yeah, and the contract's pretty reasonable too. And he signed through twenty twenty. He's making about nine million a year. He's going to cost you a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Mike Miner would have a, a significant return on the market. I don't know. I don't know what the Rangers' level of interest will be, and I don't know if the Rangers are going to be in contention in six weeks from now. But that's not a deal that I would expect. You know, we're talking about needing to do things sooner rather than later. That would definitely be a later deal, I think. Yeah, because I think they have to wait and see what Texas, where Texas is, uh, if Texas is going to sign off. By the way, another team, Texas Rangers, plus 27. Yeah. Run differential to the Phillies, plus 15. The Phillies are uh, middle of the pack in Major League Baseball and yeah. run differential, just, so, just in case anybody's wondering. Well, I'll go fanboy, and again, I'll just I'll throw in the qualifier that you experience the injuries that they've had, and it's, uh, that's going to happen. You know, yeah. I, I think that there's a, I think there's a reasonable chance that that number is going to continue to shrink and maybe even go into the red for the Phillies at some point here over the next week or two. Uh, the thing that with run differential for the Phillies, I think that the way this team's constructed right now, and actually I'm glad you brought this up because I meant to, the way this team's kind of currently constructed, I still think that they can win baseball games, like I said earlier, but they're going to have some ugly nights. So like when the Phillies lose, they have the potential to lose big and lose ugly, like they did last night, like they did on Sunday. Because that bullpen, it's almost like these these are the guys, like these are our mop up guys. If they don't hit, there's a chance that a lot of these games could get out of hand. And then rebound the next night and keep it together and, and win enough to stay afloat. But that run differential is going to be a really interesting number to kind of keep an eye on here uh, in the coming coming weeks. Yeah, I agree. So that's number one. I I, I think that you know I, I would like another bullpen arm, uh, even with guys coming back. I would like another. Another one that's better than a better option than Vince Velazquez and uh, Edgar Garcia, you know. Um, and then uh, I, I think that they're going to. I think they're going to need to improve the bench, man. I mean, it's just going to have to get better. They're going to have to find some veteran guys who are, you know, pro, 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 professional hitters. Do you not think power guys necessarily? And I think that can be done. I think that there's a reasonable chance that they can go out and get a starter, at maybe add a bullpen piece go out, maybe get a bench guy or two. I don't think that these are insane asks. Um, I guess my my question is, do you think now, knowing what we know, do they have to go out and make a trade for another everyday starter in terms of, of position player? Well, we'll see. I mean, I, let's, let's see what Hazley and Bruce look like in the outfield for the next couple weeks. And then we'll make a determination. I mean, I, I ultimately I do think something's going to have to happen. 
Um, if there was ever a time, if there was ever a time they need a guy like Reese Hoskins or Bryce Harper to heat up or both at the same time and go on a roll here where they carry a team, it is yeah. now. It's it, the time is now. And yeah. both, I mean, I know Bryce Harper heated up a little bit going into last weekend uh, against the Cardinals. I know he hit the big home run on Saturday night. You're, you're starting to see flashes, I think, from him. They need Reese Hoskins to get going. Like it's time now. I don't disagree with you, Bob. I think uh, I think the Phillies the, the Phillies are starting to show the the flaws are starting to show, and and that's that's what happens when you lose a little bit of your of your front line, you know, uh, you know your front line players, and and you're you know forced to show what your depth is, and the Phillies don't have it. And that was one of the things that we really were concerned about. I think when we, you know, looking back at the beginning of the season when we were previewing it, we were like, yeah, Phillies are a good team, great lineup, you know, maybe the pitchers are going to be great, good again. Who knows about the bullpen? But, boy, if anybody gets hurt, they don't got a lot. They don't have a lot in, in the wings, yeah. and they really don't have a lot in the wings. Uh, I'm almost at the end here. I don't know where you're at, but uh, I, <laughs> I got a text message tonight after McCutcheon went down and the news broke. Friend says, hey – Know that you kind of focus specifically on the Phillies, but have you looked at Michael Brantley's stats this season? And I said, well, not really. And I open them up. Have you looked at Michael Brantley's stats this season? Why, yes, I have, Bob, because I happen to have him on a fantasy team. <laughs> so I, I know what Michael Brantley is. Yeah, Michael this, Brantley this in 58 games this season. Remember, they didn't want Michael Brantley because there were injury concerns. He's hitting yeah. 329 with a 918 OPS. He has 74 yeah. hits this season. Yeah. I thought that was a great signing by the Houston Astros. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, was re- it was really, really smart. Leads baseball with 74 hits, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> Can't and see, kill the, the Phillies thing. for Andrew McCutcheon. It looked like such a good signing. He's been so healthy. It, no, I, I, uh, but, man. Absolutely. You, then you look over and you go, remember when Michael Brantley was out there? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the kind of guy that I like. See, he he is an Anthony type player. I mean, look at it: three twenty nine batting average, high on base percentage, good slugging, does not strike out a lot. He's twenty one strikeouts, nineteen walks. Okay, that's that's you know, yeah, he's got ten home runs, you know, but he's he he gets hits. He just hits. He hits. And that's that, I you can, I can get I can have a lineup of eight Michael Brantleys. I'd be thrilled. <laughs> On a, t- give me Gene, on a two-year, $32 million yeah. contract. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. But th- these are the players that I like in baseball. Yeah. You know, I'll take that Jeff McNeil from the Mets. You, you like him at all? Yeah. I, yeah. Right? I mean, seriously, he's a pest. Yep. He's a pe- he just gets on base. He's hard to get out. He's hard to strike out. You know, he, nobody's, he's not going to hit a ton of home runs. It's okay to have home run hitters in your lineup. I'm, I'm not opposed to it. But give me, give me a handful of guys in the lineup who – who just consistently get on base, and I'll, I'll take those guys every day. You excited about, uh, I, I guess, the last thing here before we go, are you excited about shortstop Bryson Stott, Nevada yeah, guy? Not, I, yeah, it was, it was an interesting uh, interesting pick. I, you know, it was, uh, I listened to a couple of scouts. But I don't know anything about Bryson Stott, right? Uh, except that he looks like, just physically, he looks like Troy Tulowitzki. Yeah, um, I heard Brandon I, Crawford earlier. That's what, that's what they were comparing him to. But, I mean, like, physically, I was watching the highlights, and I said, yeah, I heard the Brandon Crawford comps, and that's probably because he's a lefty. Yeah, there's uh, who a plays shortstop, right? And so he's I, a bigger I, guy, he's six foot yeah, three. But, they they yeah. say that there's some room on the frame for him to grow a little bit, uh, maybe add add a little bit of muscle. I will say this: uh, I like 
I like the Adam Hazleys, uh, at least for now, and the and the Bryson Stotts of the world. I like guys that are accomplished, polished college hitters. The thing about Stott that specifically I think stands out is the the strikeout to walk ratio. He's he's a guy that doesn't strike out a lot, which you should like. Um, it's just hard, right? Like major league draft is is so difficult to turn around and project. Like. You can feel great about Bryson Stott right now. My concern, just based on what I've I've heard and, and read, the power numbers aren't aren't significant, and the defense is like the, the expectation is that he can stick. Like when, I think it's always a concern when one of the draft evaluations is like his defense is is good enough to probably stick at shortstop. It's not like he's a absolute plus defender, and you know that he's going to be able to stick at shortstop. Then again, with that said, Gene Segura currently plays shortstop for the Phillies. So, you know, I don't know how much of a premium they're placing on defense anyway, but it looks like a, a, a bat that has a chance to be fairly fairly dependent or dependable, reliable. I don't know, though. And I think that anybody that tells you differently and acts like that they're all in on Bryson Stott and they know everything about him is kind of kidding you right now. Yeah, no, I don't know anything. But I'll tell you this. Um, five straight years they've picked a bat with the first-round pick. That. Kind of interesting. Now that's not the, that's not to say. I mean, look, everybody from everything I've read, this year's draft was was light on top end pitching, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not going to criticize them for not taking a pitcher, but it's just five years in a row. Aaron Nola was took, the last guy, right? In, in uh, 20 was, was 14. Well, no, well, let's see. It's, this year was Stott, right? 1918 was Alec Baum. 17 was Hazley. 16 was Moniak. 15 was Cornelius Randolph, right? So 14. Yeah, so 14 was. Uh, you would was think Nola. with the success they had with Aaron Nola that they would, they would try to kind of run it back with him. But I mean, again, it's yeah. bit circumstantial. They certainly did have high picks uh, the last couple of years. I, I don't know. I think that it, it kind of. Um, I think that that is an indictment of their inability to produce homegrown everyday players like they did in the previous decade. You, yeah. you go to the, the Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howards, those types of guys. The, they have just not been able to do it. And, and certainly Scott Kingery is having a really good year here, and maybe that's the trajectory that he's on. But I think that they are they're starting to understand, like, we just spent – Big-time money on Bryce Harper. We're going to have to eventually make a, a significant investment if we want to retain JT Real Muto. I, I think that all of this stuff, they're, they're starting to look down the line and say, like, we need we need guys to come in and be productive position players or otherwise we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't think Cornelius Randolph's coming to save the day. I don't no. know about you. <laughs> No, I don't think he is. Arquimedes Gamboa. You know, I yeah. know that everyone's a real high on Arquimedes right now, but I don't, I don't know, man. Call me a little skeptical on that one. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think even Jalen Ortiz. You know, there was a lot of t- uh, a lot of talk about Jalen Ortiz. You know, the last couple of years hasn't been a great year for him either. No, so no, I, I don't think that they're. I don't think that the minor league players, other than Alec Bombs, who's got got off to an okay start, and uh, Hazley was fine. But other than that, the the big name players in the system who are position players just really aren't uh, aren't shining through yeah. yet yet again yep uh which is which is concerning uh organizationally so hey bob we got two five-star reviews wow isn't that great <laughs> on a week that we didn't record so first one uh comes from scotty mack uh awesome podcast five stars of all the phillies podcasts out there crossed up is by far the best 
Bob and Anthony burn the midnight oil every week, delivering level-headed commentary about our beloved Phillies. They don't wear red-colored glasses, and you can always count on them to give it to you straight and tell it like it is. I never miss an episode, fellas. Thanks, Scotty Mack. That was a good one. Yeah, I think Scotty Mack actually uh, he chimes in on Twitter. I'm, I believe yes, he that does. he's a he's a Twitter guy. And, he is uh, a Twitter yeah, guy. Yeah, he's he's usually pretty good. So yeah, that's good. And then uh, we got one. Uh, uh, this looks like it came in uh, last week. Um, this is from Kev one one two two five. Great Phillies, fo- great Phillies podcast. Five stars. Best Phillies podcast. Great content. I love Snow the goalie as well. <laughs> There you go. A loyal Anthony Sanfilippo follower. Ah, Wonder if it's a a relative. Uh, Anyway, so those are the two five-star reviews. Uh, If you go on to iTunes and uh, leave us a a review, uh, give us a five-star review. Uh, Actually, write one. Uh, You you can give us five stars. We'll take it. Absolutely. Uh, Any any, uh, rating helps us get further up the podcast rankings but if you write an actual review for us uh, we will read it here on the podcast and uh, thank you for it and say your name uh, on the uh, on the show so um, you could do that and you could do that for all of the crossing broad podcast and network uh, shows uh, including crossing broadcast uh, snow the goalie um, it's always soccer in philadelphia crossing broad fc broad lines uh, growing, growing by leaps and bounds, this uh, Crossing Broad Podcast Network. So, uh, as a matter of fact, Bob, I'm about to record one. Uh, as soon as as soon as we wrap it up here, I get like a five minute break to run to the bathroom, and then I gotta hop right back on again. We're recording. Russ and I are recording Snow the Goalie with a uh, St. Louis Blues podcast. St. Louis Blues, who are two wins away from the Stanley Cup, um, their their off season uh, their podcast guy had an idea to do a podcast with each with podcasters from each city um, around the NHL, and that was going to be their summer programming, which I thought was kind of a cool idea. But yeah. of all the Philadelphia podcasts, they picked Snow the Goalie. That's right. So, now, I have a quick question. Why are they going into the off-season mode right now in the middle of the Stanley Cup Finals? I think they're starting to record them now. I don't okay. Think they're, they're, right. yeah, so we might not, not hear this one live quite Quite well, yet. actually, it will be because Russ and I are putting it out. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. So we'll hear it. Right. I mean, they may not hear it in St. Louis for a little bit, Very but well. we're we're certainly going to hear it. Very well. Um, so yeah, so uh, be sure to check out all of those Good fine uh, offerings on the Crossing Broad Podcasting Network. All right. Uh, that's, that's anything all else I got, from man. you? Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's it. That's awesome. All right. Awesome. So, well, we'll wrap this up and, uh, you know, go enjoy a little Phillies Padres. Check out Adam Hazley's Major League debut. Uh, thanks for listening to the Crossed Up, and we will see you hopefully next week, right, Bob? Uh, yeah, I think that we I think can, I think we I have think, to. Yeah, I think we owe it to the people. You we know? owe it to the people. No, to get I have back no excuse now. Schedule. My schedule is completely calmed down. I'm good to go. So. Yeah, you're good to go until you got to get married at the end of the month. Except for that, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, my, yeah. That, that yeah. might get in the way a little bit. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll work around that. We'll be fine. Yeah, but we'll we'll get back to uh, the weekly schedule now that Bob's uh, baseball season's over. So uh, look for more crossed up from me and Bob. Bob's on Twitter at bw crossing broad. Uh, I'm on Twitter at ant san philly, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>